0: How will I discern the truth from a lie? I'm not able to navigate the simplest aspect of my life without getting made into a fool. How will I navigate heaven itself? The Apostle John gives us the good news. Whoever has the Son has life. God has not made this difficult. It would be impossible if left to us, but he did not leave it to us. He gave his Son Jesus. Welcome to the Sand Hills Lutheran Ministry podcast. I am Pastor John Edding. On the seventh Sunday of Easter, we are finishing up a sermon series called Living as Easter People. The title of this sermon is called Living in the Sun and is based on 1 John chapter 5 verses 9 through 15. Thanks be to God. Let's get to the sermon. Well, grace be unto you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hear the testimony of God. The testimony from the first week on the resurrection of the body. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And then the testimony from week two on the sermon series on our Christian identity, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. And then the testimony from week three on living for others. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brother's. The testimony from week four on living in God's love. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And then the testimony from week five last Sunday on living the victory of Christ. This is the victory of Christ. That overcomes the world itself, the love expressed in forgiveness. And look at what we have learned. Look at what we have discovered, and look at what we have lived together during this sermon series on living as Easter people. And now hear the testimony of John's conclusion, his finale, the finale of his letter, his closing statement. It's God's testimony, and he has made the most important thing clear. Here it is, 1 John 5, verse 12a. Whoever has the Son has life. This is pure gospel. And all that needs to be said has now just been said. The sermon is over. (laughs) Amen, (laughs) Amen, somebody said. (laughs) No, 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 really, just joking. You need to endure the rest of the <laughs> sermon. And why? why? Why do we need to say any more beyond that? Well, because the world has its own testimony, the testimony of men. And it has a counterargument to whoever has the son has life. And we need to look at its testimony. We're not going to let the testimony of men have the last word. Uh. Uh-uh. The goal of this last sermon from the series from 1 John is that you, dear listener, would confess the presence of Christ in your life and in our collective lives together and see to see clearly, to see everything through that lens. So this part of the sermon, we go into the narration now. Uh, We're going to look at testifying in the courtroom. It really is a courtroom scene that John evokes here. And what are the basic facts of the argument? Well, first of all, John says, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater that is very, that's a very interesting phrase in, our, in the current times of high-profile you know, high high trials of, about police killings and political corruption. Trials receive the testimony of men. Juries and judges listen to the testimony of witnesses in order to make their case. And if we will make life and death Decisions based on the testimony of flawed men and women. What weight should we give to the testimony of the eternal and holy God? God has testified concerning his son. And by now you know that this is, his son is the word made flesh. Jesus of Nazareth. And whoever believes the son of God that would be us who believe, we have the testimony within us. But the one who does not believe the Son of God makes God out to be a liar. Now, the testimony is in us who believe, and the testimony is what we have, is that we have eternal life, and that life is in Christ. You know, the the ones who bear ultimate witness to this are the martyrs. The Greek word for witness is martyr. They are bearing witness that they have life and it is in Jesus. The men whom ISIS fighters marched out along the Mediterranean Mediterranean Sea and then killed them were martyrs. They did not forswear their faith They did not deny Jesus. They stood firm to the gory end. The Copt Christians, community in Egypt from which they came, they're not feeling victimized. They are proud of these men. They see them as heroes, not victims. This is really important. This is life itself. There is no life apart from the Son. If you have the Son through faith, you have life. If you do not have the Son, you don't have life. That sounds like death to me. John is writing so that we who believe might know that we have eternal life. And what, what is more, we have an intimate connection with God, with Jesus, who hears and answers our prayers. So that's the, those are the basic facts of the argument. Let's take a look at what we confess in this testimony and examine it a little bit more. What does it all mean? So the role of faith. John is highlighting the role of faith here, but that, of course, demands that we return to just a really basic question. What is faith? Well, the most accurate word that we have in English to put up uh, with that or to describe what is faith is the word trust. This is what the little child who jumps into her father's outstretched arms has. She trusts. Now, we have confidence in him. And we know the reception that we will receive receive it's based on the blood of Jesus Christ who has given us eternal life there are times though that it is just hard to believe days come when we're sad when we're grieving frustrated or upset there are times when our troubles and our sins just weigh us down and that we think then and and and, and then we think then that God's promises don't apply to us, and therefore we make God a liar. Ouch. So let's be clear about this. God's word does what it says. It says in 1 John 2, verse 12, your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. And whoever has the son has life. And John, Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 37, all that the Father gives will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. We know these things are true. God said them, and we can believe them. And whoever has trouble believing, we can ask God to help us. That's where prayer comes in. Prayer is simply faith talking. It's a conversation with God. He is listening to everything that we say. He states that the reason we can have all conf- confidence in asking according to God's will is because he hears us. So he hears our frustrations. He hears our anger. He hears our requests and our joys. He likes being in touch. Get comfortable with that. <laughs> he is a good friend, and that relationship will never end. Let's also understand these basic facts of the argument that John is making here and that these basic facts are tied into the master theme of his whole letter and really of the whole New Testament and that is the incarnation. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And when the water and the blood came flowing out of Jesus' side, out of his pierced side on the cross, so does forgiveness. And with the water and the blood, Jesus gives us his spirit. And God testifies within every believer to the truth according or concerning his son. His three witnesses are spoken in the verses preceding our text for today. They were read last week. The spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. So God has made the important things clear. Jesus is born, has died, is raised bodily. He ascended bodily into the heavens. The word who sits on that throne above all thrones brings humanity That place as well. The very power of the universe today runs through perforated hands, the marks of the crucifixion. Jesus brings the very best of humanity with him to that throne. You know, the compassion, if you can think along with me, the compassion that he looked on the crowds and hurt for them, he still has that compassion. The, the tenderness which welcomed little children into his arms. The, the friendship which wept by Lazarus's tomb. The willingness to heal every disease and open every blind eye and deaf person here. So, why would God need to testify, you know, as in a courtroom concerning his son? Well, this is where we get to the part in the sermon. It's called the refutation. Because God is defending his son. And for what purpose? Well, in in John's image of the courtroom, the world's judgment is against those born of God Who, who foolishly put their belief in his son. It says essentially something like this. Are not death and evil and sin rampant in the world? God must be a liar. Faith in his son has not changed anything. This is, this is the testimony of the world against us, against the church. The world's judgment against the church is that it is wrong about eternal life in Christ. And thus God is a liar and faith is an illusion. So how do we respond to that? In refutation, the spirit of truth is our defense lawyer through whom God assures the church that faith in the Son is the real deal. And the Apostle John reminds us that we have a God who does what he says. The same God has promised to hear our prayers and answers them. Do you want to know if God's testimony is true? Ask God to deliver you from sin and he will give you life. He gives us these spiritual eyes of faith in his son, and we can be sure that God's word is reliable and that we have indeed overcome the world through faith in his son, even when it doesn't seem like it because of what we see in a world full of evil and sin and death. Well, that would be the direct judgment accusation that the world launches an assault against the church. But there's also, the world and the devil also have have more subtle accusations that try to subvert and and to sidetrack us. I'll give you just two more. The world, John's adversaries against which he preached thought that only the elite, those in the know, (laughs) could grasp the truth of God. And that, sem- that temptation is still around today, even in the church. It's this idea that the intellect gives us more Jesus and better Jesus. Well, John wants to blow this image up, short circuit it. The key is simple. Do you have Jesus? You are connected to life itself. You are plugged in. The intellect gives us not more Jesus or better Jesus. There is nothing more to have. The intellect only allows us to understand a little more. Now that understanding is good. and John is not and is not anti-intellectual. He just does not think that knowing Jesus more means you have more Jesus. If you unplug those two giant urns in the back, you know, the one filled with coffee and the one filled with water, what's gonna happen? Okay? Uh, The water, the temperature, they'll slowly cool off, and eventually it reaches room temperature. John is essentially saying that we have been plugged back in. The testimony is within us. The juices are flowing. We love. God is love. Therefore, we are in God and God is in us. So relax. (laughs) The world tells us that we need to do more, to get more, or get closer to God. You cannot get closer to God. He is in you and you are in him and you know this because of love. He is within us and that means we have life. John's adversaries, here's the sec here's the next one, the third one, the second one in the the bulletin. John's adversaries wanted a really a deincarnated spiritualized Christ because they had everything mixed up with all this Greek philosophy and Gnostic belief. You know, that's still around. Those ideas are still around. You can and, and it's like this. It says this, basically. Here's the accusation. You can, or maybe it's not so much an accusation, but, well, it leads to an accusation against the true Christ. And here is this uh, idea. You can have direct connection or communication with the Lord, and it's not through the Bible. You can search your inner emotions uh, to discern the Lord's will for our lives. Well, here's the refutation. When someone claims that they have direct connection or communication with the Lord, they are a mystic. However, the Holy Spirit always works through the gospel to call, as we read in the catechism, to call, enlighten, sanctify, and keep people in the true faith. We do not look inward to our hearts. Jeremiah says, chapter 17, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So God's word, God's external word, is, is enough for our assurance. It's enough for our consolation. Jesus is not separated from the word and the sacraments. Jesus is our friend, but he's not our mystical. Friend, who is a bodiless, spiritualized being living in the hearts. He is the incarnated God-man who died and rose bodily from the dead for our justification. He is the Jesus of the Bible and our historic creeds. He has promised to deliver himself in the word and the sacraments. He is in our ears. Through the preaching of the word, he is upon our head and our hearts in the waters of baptism. He is upon our mouths and our tongues, truly present with us in the supper, in his true body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. So that's the refutation. What's God's final verdict on the matter? The devil is a liar. God is telling the truth concerning his son. The church is not the accused. God has come to its defense. The world and the evil one end up being accused. Jesus said, John chapter 12, verse 31, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world, the devil, be cast out. Jesus is praying for you right now that you be kept plugged into him, kept from the clutches of the evil one, sanctified in his truth, and that the Holy Spirit might be poured out on all of us. We need him. God's testimony is true. He has given us life, and that life is in Christ. And we who believe, therefore, we have Christ. Life overcomes death, so live in this glad verdict. Whoever has the Son has life, so we live in his Son. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.